Hello and welcome to the FEZ show. My name is Jack Jordan Maynard and we had two fascinating races in Deria this weekend to kick off the season. The first race was won by Nick DeFries and the second was won by Eduardo Mortara. Joining me to dissect the action from the opening two races of the season is the one and only Jack Pickering and making his FEZ debut is Joshua Birch. How you doing boys? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, standing in the shoes for Ed Hunter, who doesn't do Saudi Arabia. Uh, but um, hopefully this is the first of many I can do with you uh, both as well. And it is a fantastic race to join because it was a race, uh, both of them. One was very exciting, which was a race of two halves. The second one ended on a whimper. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about, though, in two very different rounds of Deria. Well, yeah, unfortunately, as you can kind of tell by the background, wasn't able to head out to Deria, unfortunately, uh, and bring you all the content that we really wanted to give you on on, uh, on FBZ for the first round. Uh, however, they were two fantastic races, and we've still got 14 more to go after this, and I'm just hungry for more. I want more and more Formula E now. I must admit, it did whet my appetite. Although, Pico, you know, you could have 3D graphic, you know, the green screen, got a desert behind you just to make out that you did go. But unfortunately, yeah, things happened, you know, and it didn't happen. But fingers crossed that we'll have Mr. Pickering out there for Mexico in two weeks' time, where he might be joining us from an FEZ show in a sombrero. And if he's not, I'll be quite disappointed. But anyway, the first talking point, Josh, I suppose that we'll talk about is... I want to talk about the end of race two. Um, we we saw the Alexander Sims. He had that crash, and we saw this crane come out on the track. And social media was quite vocal, and the drivers have been quite vocal about how that came about, and maybe that the race should have been red flagged in order for that crane to have come onto the track and then clear Alexander Sims's car. I just want to get your thoughts on that situation that we saw at the end of race two. Absolutely. I can understand the frustration of the fans on social media. I was commentating on the race and I even said as well, as soon as I saw the car, I looked at the clock and saw we only had 10 minutes to go. My mind flashed back to Sanya a couple of years ago when we had a similar situation. I thought, okay, they're going to red flag the race and then we'll have a restart plus the added time we had under the safety car. That never happened. Uh, and I thought it was a very dangerous, a very silly uh, thing for the FAA to do as well. We know that we've had issues before in Saudi Arabia with cranes on the track. One time, uh, the race went back to green when the I think Nick Cassidy's Envision Virgin Racing was still on the circuit and the crane was dangling the car and uh, Scott Elkins came on quicker uh, than anybody saying free drinks at a bar going full course yellow in five, four, three. And it was ridiculous. I mean, it was so mishandled. The crane was stuck at the course for three laps. Uh, it was hanging the car at the same height as the halo was. Several cars nearly made contact uh, as well with the uh, flying uh, Sims car. And the strangest thing of all, though, is the fact that the safety car uh, suddenly stopped because the there was a man walking in front of the tractor and then the tractor was behind going very slow. The safety car came out, didn't know it was there, slammed on the brakes. The entire field concertinaed and it ended with all of rescue having a winglet off on the front of the car. That could have been a, an aerial accident if anybody wasn't paying attention. It was stupid. The race should have been red flagged, restarted uh, with, the, with nine minutes to go. And nobody would have had a problem with that at all. We've had it before in Sanya. I think once again, it's seen that the FIA is a little bit not they don't know their own rules half the time 
Yeah, Pico, I, I agree with what Josh said. It was very silly. Like, I want to get your view on, you know, when the car... So, when all the cars had stopped and they looked like they'd been, obviously, damaged with Askew's car, and everyone... I remember when the picture just stopped and everyone stopped and were like, what's happened? Thinking that there's been a separate crash and then the helicopter panned out and we're like, oh, it's they're just stuck. Just the views, when you saw the car being hanged and everyone driving underneath it, did you go, this is just not right? Well, the joys of live tweeting the event, uh, I was looking down at my phone <laughs> and then um, and then looked up when my dad when uh, when my dad had noticed what uh, uh, what had happened. But yeah, I'm I'm completely on the same uh, wavelength as as Josh. That should have been a red flag, and and then we should have restarted it. However, I am very happy with how they did after after that bit. Instead of you know going to have one lap. Um, to decide all, I think I, I think we've kind of had enough of that in motorsport over the last couple of months. So um, we, we 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 need that to die down a little bit before we do something similar. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that they they handled it well because there was a, a huge amount of people saying that oh you should have gone back to green so we could have had more racing. That isn't a way to uh, to finish the race. Uh, it is a, it isn't the best way to finish the race, but it happens. Um, but yeah, red flag would have been the way to go, but I'm happy that they didn't send it back to green because, yeah, we've had enough of that. I'm going to disagree with you there, Pico, and I'll, I'm going to come back. Right, I'll throw it to Josh first, and then I'll give you a chance to respond in a second. Because, Josh, we saw in race one that we had the additional time, which was 10 minutes. Uh, it was a... Sorry, it was 5 minutes, 15 seconds. It was 10 minutes that we got in practice. Uh, there was 5 minutes, 15 seconds. And yes, we know that there's this rule that in the final five minutes of the race, the additional time will not be added. So even if, even though the safety car started on the ninth minute mark, the safety car period was long enough to get into the into the fifth minute, which meant no additional time was meant was uh, was carried on after that safety car period. Therefore, I think because we've got this rule of additional time, for me, it kind of stops the ending that we had we could have had some additional time potentially because the drivers had enough energy if we looked at the usable energy it was at 30 percent they were saying it's going to be a flat out race so i was like mm, should that rule of additional time be looked at maybe not in the final five minutes to have a full you know 45 seconds but if there is a you know you added that extra lap or you add the two laps depending on what however you want to make that rule so we've got that additional time and races don't finish on you know a dull moment like it did yesterday uh, under safety car and we do go green and we do get the fight that we wanted to see before that safety car happened absolutely i, I completely agree with you we should have had the end of the race with the added time you knew the rule about the added time not being allowed after five minutes I was commentating on it. I didn't know it. There was zero information from race control stating that there will be no added time to this race. Uh, the only information we got was when they crossed the line and the final lap message came up. But that still left us confused because all of a sudden we had the safety car in this lap and we had Mortara driving to the line. We could have got some racing because the track was clear for the final lap on the scheduled time. So it was very mishandled. 
I, by the time I came to the line, I didn't know if we were going to see a checkered flag or a green flag. And that is not right. They confused the fans. They confused us in the box. I've got seven monitors up here in the commentary box in my position for calling the race. I can see every live timing page. I had the driver radio on. I can see the TV pictures. And I had no idea what was going on. That is not good for Formula E trying to grow the sport at all. I do agree they should look at adding uh, the time on at the end of the race. We had the precedent from the day before, five minutes and 15 seconds being added on. However, I don't think that's working. It was very confusing when they added the time back. I couldn't tell they'd done it to begin with. Uh, I had to have Ed tell me on the, on the YouTube chat because uh, he got away with watching the race on my watch alongs. Uh, but also, I think we should look at what you said. Instead of adding time on, add laps on at the end of the race. We know it's a 45-minute race plus one lap. Just add a couple more laps on. Add two or three laps. Let the 45 minutes go and then put laps on the end because that way the teams know exactly how much percentage you will use on each lap. It just makes it more simpler because we had a situation in race one where they had to do an extra two laps because uh, it was it uh, DeFries crossed the line with four seconds to go. So it, it just makes it more sense if you add laps on instead of times. Interesting thought, which it's quite hilarious because I had uh, a lot of people message me that it's becoming a little bit like football with the stoppage time. Like you let the time go fast and then, you you know, someone comes out and says, well, race control come out and say you've got three minutes of additional or laps that you've got to do. Pika, you were sort of wanting the race. You were happy with the race finishing under the safety car. Do you think that that additional time rule could be looked at in that final five minutes or are you happy with it? Right, when you say that I was happy with it finished under the safety car, I was happy that they stuck to the rules, which as hasn't been a thing in other forms of motorsport, but we'll, we'll end the comparisons there. Um, yeah, so I was, I was happy that they stuck to the rules. That was my main thing that, that, they, that I was happy with. Um, yes, I would have loved to have seen a couple more laps. Um, so the, the reason why, well, people watching this won't know, but you two, I was doing some things on the other screen just before we came on air. I was working out how much time would have progressed for, for everything happening. So I know that two minutes 15 would have been added up to the five minute mark uh, of, of, uh, of safety car. And Mortara would have then crossed the line with 15 seconds to go. So there would have been two laps. But we didn't, but taking into account Mortara might have probably backed off a bit to make sure that there was one more lap because Mortara went flat out to the line at the end of the race yesterday. So, uh, so yeah, we probably would have got just one more lap of racing anyways with the additional time. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that is something that they're going to work on. I think Formula E have been relatively good at tweaking the rules here and there. Obviously, after the Valencia fiasco, uh, they changed the deduction of energy um, uh, thing to... to, to better suit the cars and the racing and so I thought I, I think they'll take a look at this um they'll probably not implement it for Mexico but there's a two-month gap between Mexico and Rome and that'll be when they'll evaluate some other things and then they'll head to Rome we'll have we'll have some tweaks here and there and then everyone will be a little bit more in the clear I think I just think for a fan who's watching a motor race i think every time if you look at any form of motorsport every time you finish under a caution it's kind of like oh i spent all this time watching this race and it's finished under caution and i just think that the additional time that formula e is actually one of the smartest ideas that they've potentially come up with 
where you don't have to end a race under a f in in a caution period effectively you don't have to so you've always got a, a a a chance to finish the race under green which i think any fan wants because you know yes mortara was leading at the 9 minute mark but if we had a normal race there's no reason to suggest that he would have finished the race first so at least you get that extra lap and extra fighting so you know he didn't just have a breeze last 9 minutes but let's talk on to something a bit more positive in terms of qualifying josh now we had two pretty consistent qualifying groups where you know the fastest cars let's say mercedes we we sort of knew going into this season because mercedes was the quickest car last season but with the qualifying format that we had it was hard to prove who was the fastest but we saw venturi and we saw um mercedes with that mercedes obviously both cars running the same powertrain be towards the front in both qualifying sessions so i just want to thought how did you find the qualifying sessions um this weekend well on paper extremely difficult to follow this is my notes i have in the commentary box uh which i had to make a week before and it shows you the the, the group a group b qual as quarterfinals semifinals finals and i find it incredibly difficult to follow on paper and I was I put a tweet out as well uh, the week before saying this isn't great on paper. It's confusing to the fans. Uh, let's see if it if it's any better on television. And it's a million times better on television. It was it's such a better format than the group stages that we had because obviously we can't run what Formula One do, which is three stages where all the cars out on the track and then we reduce them by five because it's a street course and some of the courses we go to are incredibly small. The best we can do is the group stages going into this quarterfinal, semifinal, final. I thought it worked really well. I thoroughly enjoyed it um, as as well. The spectacle could be a little bit different. It's the first weekend we've tried it. The TV pictures could have. Uh, been a little bit different as well. I don't like the idea of uh, shrinking down the times because uh, to see the two laps together like they tried uh, so that they can sync them up because I was watching on the timing monitor. I knew he was on pole before the TV pictures had finished. So I think if they put it side by side, but with live cameras, that works incredibly better. It builds up the tension uh, as well. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, Van Dorn uh, did it really well in, in race one, getting pole position in those three points. But I think it worked best of all in race two. Uh, De Vries, 107.154. Mortara, 107.159. Five thousandths of a second between them. Uh, one of the closest pole margins in Formula E history. That is absolutely fantastic. But the only error with it was the De Costa de Grassi in Jill B that uh, everybody got confused about. Uh, I think, though, that was the complete fault of De Costa. I'm sure you'll talk about that more. Yeah, obviously, De Costa uh, Pico making that error there. He sort of, it was quite hilarious when he had that interview when he said, you know, or oh, I must be blind because, you know, I, I went when I was supposed to go. And then the TV pictures clearly showed you missed it, so you must have been blind because, yeah, the green light went to Costa and, and you missed it. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure how he can miss that. It, it was on for a full five seconds. Now, usually you don't think five seconds is that long. But I but watching it, for me, five seconds felt like an eternity. Because you were sat there watching it. And I, I don't know what the cost must be doing, whether, whether he, was like, he was having a look around or he was just down fiddling stuff on his wheel. But even if he's looking at stuff on his wheel, it must be in his peripheral vision. Because drivers have great, because they need to make decisions at 
180 miles an hour some of them and so and so yeah i i think yeah it was um uh it was i mean like uh, it it was silly from da costa but i mean like it 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 happens it happens and obviously from that it delayed the entire session uh a huge amount but um but yeah i mean i think i think it was absolutely fantastic to watch i i did have an advantage because i saw what what it was like in valencia and so I, I i knew more than most coming into coming into this weekend in Deria, but it played out absolutely perfectly uh it didn't feel too long there was just that really long gap between uh the duels where de costa and degrassi messed up but um yeah with, with the exception of that i think it's absolutely fantastic Josh, I just want I just want to add on quickly. What do you make? Because for me watching it, it was my first time watching it as well. And obviously we had the two groups there of 12 minutes. And I just felt for me... Now, there, there was a conversation about this in testing, which Pico will allude to, and I'll let him talk about that in a second. But for me, the 12-minute sessions just felt a tad bit too long. Because I just felt like we were waiting for that crescendo, right? Of the last minute, especially when we saw, you know, in, in when it was Group A, when everyone started going faster in that last minute. But I just felt the build-up to that in that 12-minute session was just a bit too long. Maybe the session could be a bit shorter. What are your views on that? I completely agree with you. Um, there's, they've got this rule where every driver has to set a lap time in the first six minutes. And after six minutes, they all head back to the pits. Some of them changed tyres and went back out again. I mean... It just felt a bit too long. It's 24 minutes plus a gap in between. So it's about half hour of qualifying. And then you've got another 45 minutes of the duels. I mean, it's too long to sit there making the qualifying format. The entire format needs to be shrunk down and um, before Mexico. I would put it as uh, eight minutes for, uh, for Group A, Group B. That takes it down to just 14 minutes for the two. Uh, half the time uh, gets a fantastic amount of energy packed into it as well. Then you can have the charging of the cars ready for the duels. But I think, what was it? You, you referred to it as well, uh, Pico, because it was what? It was 10 minutes between the end of semi-final two and the start of the final. That's a long time to sit around doing nothing. Uh, the format works. The timings just don't. Yeah, that's... It- Eight minutes, hilariously, was exactly the thing I was going to pitch to Pico because I felt, you know what, these tracks are quite short. However, we do have a long track in Rome where maybe eight minutes might be a bit touch and go. But, you know, what I was thinking, if we go back to Paris with this uh, format, 12 minutes in a sub one minute track, which, you know, most Formula E tracks are just like, like Deria, just over the one minute mark, 12 minutes just felt quite long and it was quite repetitive until we got to the end. So Pico, I know you know some information on what the drivers said about this, so I'm going to let you come in now and sort of explain a bit more. So yes, when this when this idea first came around, um, uh, it, it was a 10 minute session. It, it, it was supposed to just be a 10 minute session. Uh, and then we did the trial in Valencia and most of the, um, and, and a lot of the drivers, including Robin Frantz, he said that that 10 minute period was too short to to come in and do the pit stop and everything, and then go out uh, and then uh, and then go out again and do the final few runs. Um, so yeah, admittedly Valencia, that was what a one minute twenty seven lap, I think, when we went there last year. So it, so yeah, it, it, it kind of makes sense. I and but yes, I completely agree. I think we do have to see it in places like Rome, but for most of for 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 most of these 
places we are only just over the one minute mark we're never anywhere more than 120 with the exception of Rome to be honest so uh I I, I but yeah I think this is going to be this is going to be something that evolves and then yeah but I, I I'm very happy with this format it's definitely here to stay but yeah I reckon that there will be some tweaks here and there still to come because I remember texting you in in after I was like this has been going on for over an hour like we're still not done I'm like what am I what am I going to be finished we've got to do the report all of a sudden race is going to be starting in like 10 minutes if we carry on at this rate but I do agree though it is a hundred times better than the format that we had before and obviously there's always going to be tweaks and you know nothing's perfect first time I don't even think the Formula One qualifying system as it was was probably perfect the first time they used it they might have you know they've adjusted the minutes since then um from from when it first came out so you know not everything's perfect straight away but so much better and I think we'll get a more consistent championship from it Josh because we saw the the first those you know the Mercedes get at the top we saw it was still a quite a close qualifying so I don't think we're going to get that randomness in qualifying which creates those random mixed grid races that we'll see and maybe we might start to form a pecking order in Formula E which is really hard to say because you know, all the cars are pretty much identical to last year's cars and the field have concertinaed up and it's so close, but we might soon start getting some form of pecking order. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right because we saw Defries and Mortara uh, in the final over the second time we tried it and they were winners in race one and race two. And uh, yeah, Mortara and uh, Degrassi sort of played the team game there in the second race, but it proved it works. And I think we're not going to have the likes of a Neo suddenly in Super Bowl. Uh, that's not going to happen. They're too far back. They're going to get eliminated quite quickly. We saw, would it really have been fair for Giovinazzi to have made it through to the quarterfinals when he himself has admitted, and I'm not really up to speed yet. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm going to need a while to get used to these cars. I've still got Formula One in me. Uh, so I, I like this system. It, it rewards the drivers who can actually race well. They've got a good car set up. And it doesn't put it too much down to random. Instead of having to do one flying lap to get through to Super Bowl, you've got to do four consistent laps. It's brilliant. Indeed. So I want to talk about race two quickly. Because in race one, Pico, the Mercs, they sort of dominated, right? If it wasn't for Van Dorn, Van Dorn probably would have won that race if he didn't miss the attack mode, which allowed the freeze to slip in and get that, you know, one-two for Mercedes. It was a dream start. And they dominated it. And we were going into race two thinking, here we go again. Because the qualifying system was quite consistent. We're thinking Mercedes are going to be up there again. Although Van Dorn wasn't able to. But the freeze was. But then we got the Venturis during that race. Who managed to get into that 1-2 position. And had about a second and a half gap over the freeze and Robin Frines. And then all of a sudden, as that race emerged. The pace just kind of slowed. Whereas Mercedes in race one sort of you know, kept that pace and dominated it and were never in trouble. The Venturi sort of put themselves into trouble by slowing down and all of a sudden Verd and P5 and everybody else, Lotterer, was catching back up. Why do you think they slowed down so significantly? I think it's an interesting one. I think the fact that we we did have the two Venturis at the front and they were playing the team game, I think I think that was a huge part of it. So, I mean, like, kudos to Venturi. They, they do now lead the Constructors' Championship by a single point. And, um, and yeah, I think they played the game absolutely perfectly. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was very, it was very, very exciting that second race. Um, but yeah, what, what really surprised me 
person because obviously the, the the way that every, the way that everyone got past the freeze was everyone got through um uh, went through attack mode and got past him that way and then he started falling back but then he took his attack mode and i was fully expecting oh he's going to be back up to the front in four laps time and every time he came back round, he seemed to be about nine tenths or a second off uh, the the car in front and so and there was no way even with 30 additional kilowatts of power that he was going to make up that gap over the course of that straight and so he kind of settled into fourth then he went then he when he when he ran out of attack mode um Vern came and slightly ambitious move uh, down into turn 18 um which sent well because because everyone was like Constantine together it 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 meant that De Vries lost about five places in this in the space of like like five corners or something yeah, it was odd. Josh, what do you think of the Freezer strategy there? Because obviously he was undercut by the Venturis with the use of attack mode. And then people were expecting him, well, he's got to go at some point, he's got to go at some point. And he went on the 18th minute mark. So on the 18th minute mark of that race, so technically in the final nine minutes of that race in race two, he takes his attack mode down, but doesn't really have has that effect. Like, what did you think of the Freezer strategy? Did you expect him to take attack mode earlier or did you agree with him going late so he had that power to potentially just breeze past the others i think he fell into the trap of what the other teams had done brilliantly the two venturis did as well they took their both attack modes in the first 15 minutes of the race as well they got that out of the way and they were able to settle down into a rhythm defries i think lost out he was too much in his mindset of well i won this race yesterday i know exactly how i can get back to the front exactly how i can control it what what happened yesterday is going to work today i think mercedes miscalculated the fact that they have it's two different races we always see whenever we had double headers race two is a million times different defries led 14 laps got passed by degrassi and then degrassi let mortara through degrassi was always playing the team game Mercedes stood no chance, and especially with Robin Fryens and the Envision, sort of the fly and the ointment, as Ed put it as well, he was stuck in between the two, and they were just sort of all backing each other up. Mortara and Degrassi were regening energy. That let Fryens to go forward as well, and that held up Defries. So every time Defries was going to go for a lunge, Fryens was going on the attack of Degrassi. So there was no real opportunity for him to get through. That allowed the back four of Verne, uh, Verline, and uh, Lotter as well to all come through to the forward as well. So we had a nine-way fight for the lead of the race effectively because it was beginning to be one long train to cost uh, sorry to cost to costa to freeze just got completely meddled up with it as well i think mercedes will learn from that and they'll start taking their attack modes earlier on in the race we know what they're going to be like now it was the same as race one they just made an, uh, an error there they thought they could be more dominant than they could be and then to sort of wrap up the show then let's talk about the people that stood out to you so i'm going to come to pico first in terms of a driver or a team in that first race, who stood out? This is this is really like putting me on the spot, but uh, I've, I've, I've got a few names in my head and they are going to be uh, different from what people think. Uh, I'm going to say two names. I'm going to say one is Lucas Degrassi because he's a, he's a brand new team and because uh, all the technology has been carried over from season seven to season eight, you would have thought that Degrassi would be at a, at a bit of a disadvantage uh, compared to everyone else who was uh, who was stayed at the same team and got the same technology from season to season, so I mean, the uh, Degrassi was fantastic uh, over, over both days. 
Um, uh, the other person that I want to say a huge well done to because I've really underestimated him was Andre Lotterer, who got it into uh, who got it into the jewels on on both. I almost said Super Bowl, Jesus Christ! Like I'm going back to season seven there. Uh, he got into the jewels on both days, um, and yes, he fell through the pack on um, on uh, uh, the Friday race. However, on the Saturday race, he he scored uh, P4, and he consistently beat. Their line across the weekend, and so yeah, I mean, I do tip my hat to Andre. That was a great weekend for him. I have to agree. Andre Lara did have an absolutely great weekend. Joshua, what do you think? Um, who stood out for you? I completely agree with you, Andre Lotterer. I was going to say it as well. I think you saw me nodding like that as well, like a like a Chinese cat. Uh, but honestly. Lotterer in race one impressed me in terms of he got into the dual system. He started third on the grid and then he it was a mismanage, mismanagement of energy. Safety car caught him out, dropped further back and uh, it was a real, real disappointment. Race two came back more determined, more focused. It was fantastic to see him battling up there as well. Could have been a podium, but uh, the, the Venturis were just out there. I think my surprise team is definitely Venturi. They've stepped up so much this year as well. They've got the Mercedes powertrain. Uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio is first weekend as team principal as well he was a cool calm head not bad for a dj of course because uh, he retired from racing to become a music dj and i just come back susie wolf was there this weekend she's now taken over as executive ceo as well just a fantastic team they've got there as well and with mercedes leaving at the end of this year i would highly put venturi as the next top team nissan have dropped off audi have quit porsche aren't there yet watch out for venturi i think that's going to make leonardo dicaprio very very happy Indeed. Um, I'll say all of it ask you then, boys, because obviously I think he deserved some a bit of praise. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't say him. I must admit, I'm glad that you didn't say him because I'll tell you what, they, those were worthy mentions. Um, but obviously, Oliver asked you for his debut, I thought was solid, right? And, and developed quite quickly. So before we end, we touched there very quickly on Nissan. And knowing, uh, knowing that this season, Pico, is you know, kind of like a throwaway season. It's the season before the next, like in Formula 1 last season, it's the season before the big regulation changes we go into Gen 3 for next season. So do you think for teams like Mahindra, potentially, Nissan, you know, Dragon, Neo, and that type of, that lot, do they just bin this season off? This is our car. We're not going to really touch the software. And we're going to put all our energy into Gen 3 and make sure that we're ready going into Gen 3. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they should, especially in Mahindra's case, uh, because they took the, t the first two practice sessions of the season. Roland's clearly got pace. Uh, Sims was on the edge of the points um, in both races until he crashed out in the second one. Uh, I think that they. I think they. They have got a solid effort. They and they. They could. Uh, they. They could do well. They are. I've forgotten whether it was Jack or Dario's um, pick for. Um, uh, pick for Dark Horse of the Year, but it was definitely one of them. Um, so yeah, for, for Mahindra, definitely not. Um, uh, Nissan, I feel that they are going to be a bit behind. Um, they are. I, I did they get points with Gunter in race one? I I, I think I, he was I, P7. I want to say that they. I, I think I think he finished P seven, but don't quote me on that. Um, so yeah, I think that. Um, uh, I think that Nissan. I, I I don't really want to see anyone just like fall back to take advantage for next year obviously they're working on gen 3 in the background but yeah i, I just want to see them all go uh well they, 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 they're not going to go all out but yeah do you expect anyone joshua to do a to do a has f1 not update their car and just focus fully on gen 3 for next season 
I think Dragon are going to mainly focus on Gen 3, although they showed a few flashes of pace for Sete Camera. Uh, I think Nissan are mainly going to try and get to midway point of the season and then say, nah, we're not going to have any of it. Shocking weekend for Bohemi as well. I wouldn't expect uh, Bohemi to start focusing on Formula E this season. I think he'll look more to one George Championship uh, for, the, for 2022. Uh, personally as well, I've got a feeling Mercedes might start dropping off towards the end of it as well because they're not looking forward to Gen 3, so they've got nothing to lose uh, at all, so they'll start dropping off the cliff. Uh, I think we're going to see Venturi push to the end uh, as well. Porsche are going to push to the end, but watch out as well for the backfielders because they're going to just drop off and start becoming issues, especially I think Nissan, um, Dragon, as I said, they're going to start becoming big, big issues. So it'll be interesting to see how this season pans out effectively. Boys, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Cheers, Jack. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Uh, you very much. It's been a pleasure. It has indeed, hasn't it? Um, So that's it. So we'll be back probably in either for a pre-race show before Pico potentially jets off to Mexico to maybe see if there's any news stories, any interesting things that we could do before a show. If not... Then we'll catch you in two weeks' time for the Mexican E-Pre uh, review, where if Pico is not wearing a sombrero, we're going to be very sad. So thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.